Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and we are keeping score with the first time in 10 weeks that I've seen where every major sport around the world is finalizing its comprehensive recovery plan. We should go along with it. Looks like potentially good times ahead for the sports industry, but we're in a hole. Let's look at the deal-making issues three to one. Number three. Even though a normal season still very much in doubt, the NFL enjoyed an early surge in ticket sales. SeatGeek provided data to NBC, which showed overall ticket sales immediately after the May 7 schedule release up 234% compared to the same period in 2019. One reason cited for the surge was the uniform ticket refund policy announced ahead of the schedule release stated the teams and secondary ticketing partners must refund fans if a game is canceled or played behind closed doors. Raiders games are showing the highest demand in early sales ahead of the team's Vegas relocation. The average resale price in the new Allegiant Stadium, 588 458 for a Seahawks ticket, 456 to watch the Rams. Elsewhere, the Buccaneers benefiting from signing Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski with their opener at the Saints, the fifth most in-demand game. The average ticket resale price for a Bucks game stands at 353. The Patriots, conversely, seeing an 80% drop year over year, and that's number three. Number two, almost all 200 remaining games in English's top-flight Premier League and the second-tier championship will be televised under Project Restart, the plan for the two leagues to resume next month. Premier League games suspended since March 13. Competitions hoping to resume play without fans June 12. The London Times reports Sky Sport and BT Sport aiming to air as many games as possible. Three or four EPL and championship matches taking place each day at different kickoff times. The rights roughly half of the remaining 92 Premier League games held by pay TV Sky and BT. Strong desire to show the other matches on a free-to-air platform. But obviously other issues have to be ironed out. Several top-flight clubs unhappy at the prospect of playing games at neutral venues and some players expressing health concerns. The schedule plan reportedly has the support of the U.K. government because it would keep people indoors during the COVID-19 pandemic. Germany's Bundesliga, the first of Europe's major soccer leagues to receive approval to resume this season, matches got underway without fans on Saturday, and that's number two. Number one. Ad spend during television upfronts dropped 33% versus last year, according to a survey of 151 ad executives by Advertiser Perceptions. Synopsis says nearly half of the day's worth of TV, 50%, said they believe they can replace linear with digital video ads. The advertisers commit to more than 90 days worth of TV, less than half, and some say even less than that, 41% predicted that networks would be forced to abandon the upfront model altogether. Advertisers voiced five main concerns about the traditional ad buying model. First, scale. TV viewership contract again as stay-home orders lift. Will it? How will schedule content gaps reshape audiences? 
especially for prime time, late night, and cable. What will reallocation look like if tentpole sports and entertainment events cancel? Will pricing flex to reflect actual viewing on linear and digital TV? And, and what about guarantees? Since they can't trust future estimates, what's their protection? And for now, linear networks need to take the dollars they can for whatever terms they can. And linear networks also have been under siege, as we know from digital, for years now. They should apply those lessons learned to the current economic reality. Creativity, creativity, creativity. That's deal-making this week, three to one. Well, NASCAR back the first North American sport to arguably come back in full if you discount the match play uh, skins game for charity that happened in golf at Seminole Golf Course this last week. So the NASCAR comeback begins at Darlington Raceway. The circuit unveiled its schedule of upcoming races as well, including the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series, the NASCAR Gander RV Outdoor Series. The slate begins at Bristol on May 30 and 31 and ends the weekend of June 21 at Talladega. NASCAR and the Darlington winner Kevin Harvick got the jump on other major sports in grabbing the national spotlight this weekend. Now the battle begins to maintain that pole position. Speaking of Kevin Harvick, congrats to you. His 50th career cup win. He was the 2014 NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champ. 49 NASCAR wins at the top level. 47 in the Xfinity Series. 14 truck. His 110 races. He is a Hall of Famer clearly, also a charitable Hall of Famer. We caught up to him at an opening of a field in Charlotte, North Carolina with the Ripken Foundation and others talking about giving back. Kevin Harvick, clearly a spokesman for the industry itself, NASCAR in particular. Let's hear Kevin Harvick. Race car driver, icon, NASCAR champion, thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for having us. It's, uh, it's an honor to be involved in, in these types of projects, and, and today was no different. Well, you know, the interesting thing is when you look at the numbers, philanthropy has increased about 18, 19%. It's a higher increase than anybody's ever seen of any corporate segment dollars. Corporations are now doing things not because they have to, but because they think it's the right thing to do, and the ROI is secondary, but it's there. So obviously philanthropy is really important. You're here presiding over an incredible field. You've done this before with the Ripken Senior Foundation, Group 1001. So basically, how do you feel after cutting the ribbon on a multi-purpose facility that's going to service thousands of kids? Well, it, it, still my favorite part is walking around the back of the building or yeah. seeing the field for the first time and, and being able to um, you know, that, that smile comes on your face every time that you, you see the outcome of the project. And, and to me, that's, that's probably um, the best part of, of a field opening. And, and I think for, for us and, and with our foundation, for us, it's, it's really about uh, using our platform of exposure and, and the people that we're around and, and putting people together as, you know, Group 1001 and you come together with the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation yeah. and you get to see the outcome of the projects because they have the manpower uh, to go in and do projects like like this and obviously we can come up with the funding to, to, to help be a part of the project. But uh, in the end, it's about the kids and, and being able to expose these kids to a safe place to play, um, whether it's, you know, here at, at the Salvation Army uh, Boys and Girls Club or if it's at a high school or a baseball game or whatever it may be, the, the power of getting these kids together, putting them around um, you know, people who, who want to make their life better and them realizing that and, and taking that to the next level 
school is really what it's all about. But a project like this will affect thousands of kids' lives for years to come. And clearly, when you come back here and you watch the kids play at Kevin Harvick Field, let me just tell you that usually fields are named after people after they die, so congratulations. <laughs> you feeling okay? I'm Everything feeling, all right? I'm feeling fine. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and honestly, you know, that, that's, that's, um, you know, that's probably why you've seen that increase in, in people yeah. wanting to enjoy these types right. of projects while they have the means to do it and are still alive because it is very, very gratifying to do something like this and see those kids be able to play and see the smiles on their face. It's very rewarding and because this doesn't, this doesn't go away. And um, so being alive and, and being able to um, experience that is, is quite an honor. And he's very much alive, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, the iconic interest about this and we heard about that today is that that you and Cal, who are two of the uh, two of the greatest iconic role models in sport, had a chance to come together. You being on his board as well, and they doing 91 fields. They'll do 100 by next year. Right. It is. This is a classroom. This is an educational f place too. That's right. Your name and Cal on the same building, really. Well, and and it's educational because we're using sport in order to introduce people to life. And you know, I think as as you know, you, you hear a lot of people. A lot of people ask me, they say, well, why don't you invest in something different? Why do you use sport? Well, sport, and especially uh, when you start talking about places like a high school or uh, somewhere that you do different projects like this that we've done in the past, you have to have good grades, you have to participate with the team, yeah. and you, you put these kids around uh, coaches who have been through this same type of situation or want to give back. So you put them around quality people in a quality facility, and you really start you know, bringing to light the things that, that uh, you want them to realize and hopefully you change the way that they think about it because you're giving them a chance in order to expose them to, uh, you know, changing the course of their life with something that is positive. Well, and you, so you and Delano started the foundation, I think in 2010 is the we did. number. Yeah. And everybody creates foundations in some context, but this is a big deal. You knew your celebrity would cause you to think very carefully about how you would do it. What were the kind of early tenets of your foundation? Why did you create it and who do you want to reach? Well, early on in our foundation, we, we, we started the foundation because um, we actually had a sponsor who was doing some polling on us and we scored a zero in the philanthropy column. Oh, no. Yeah. Right. So uh, we That's had always... That's a definite misperception. Well, it, it was. And, and that was really re the biggest reason that we started the foundation was, you know, to let people know that we are doing things in the community and, and we already had been doing those things, but we tried to do them privately. So uh, we started the foundation and, and obviously it has grown uh, through the years and, and being able to partner uh, with the Ripken Foundation has allowed us to to do bigger projects and, and be a part of that. So uh, the, the power of people, uh, putting putting good people together and making these types of projects bigger by uh, grouping resources together really makes them impactful. So a couple more too. I know you mentioned Cal's role model, but when you look at the foundation perspective, mm -hmm. who else do you look at, uh, and not just in the sports world, to see, hey man, this, these people are doing some really good things. I, we should copy or emulate. Yeah, you know, I, I, I never like to copy, yeah, uh, but right. I, I, I love, I love, um, I live here in Charlotte. Uh, Cam Newton does a tremendous yeah. job of, of, of his throw events. The ball? Can you throw the ball? I cannot you? throw the ball very far and I can't run very fast. But, um, you know, he, do, he does a great job in our community. Uh, the, the sports teams in, in general do a great job here in Charlotte. So uh, being here in Charlotte, we, we knew that we needed to, to make a little bit of, bigger impact and, and it just took some time and, and here we are. So it's, uh, it's fun to see other athletes giving back. Finally, the business of NASCAR and the philanthropic stance and the 
France family and Lisa and everybody else that does it made giant strides as well. I assume you're proud of how the organization helps give back also. Well, our sport is, 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 a, is a sport that, that gives a lot. And when you look at the foundations of a lot of the drivers, uh, the NASCAR Foundation, and, and a lot of the people uh, involved in our sport, everybody gives something to someone uh, when, it, when it comes to giving back. So our sport, there's not a sport that does it any better than NASCAR. Ladies and gentlemen, is very much alive. Thank you very much. Appreciate <laughs> Thank you. it, Kevin. Thank Thanks you for lot, having man. me. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, the 110 race wins does not define Kevin Harvick. It is his charitable and philanthropic efforts and his nose for business. He will certainly be an important contributor, NASCAR and otherwise, down the road. How about the Sports Tech Minute? Well, it's interesting because we continue to see some silver linings in an otherwise dark cloud. UFC 249 generated over 700,000 pay-per-views on ESPN+, Plus, which is a big story. The bigger story this week is the LPGA. Their eTour Live launches virtual competitions, and the LPGA launching it with Match Play Esports Competition, an exclusive partnership with World Golf Tour by Topgolf. Eight LPGA and Symmetra Tour players play head-to-head in a series of seven nine-hole online matches twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays, beginning this Wednesday, culminating with a championship match on June 3rd. All matches 2 p.m. Eastern and stream live on WGT Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. The Golf Channel's Tom Abbott adds commentary during the Wednesday matches and Karen Stupples during Fridays. And the LPGA, one of the first major women's sports leagues to look at gaming for in-fan entertainment. Certainly creative. Kudos to Mike Wan. And finally, the Power of Sports Minute. And as we've done the past few weeks, you really can't focus on one thing. It's huge all across the world. Beat writer Chris Cotillo of the Red Sox raises $57,000 through charity by auctioning his prized baseball memorabilia. Given his perspective, it is an incredible gift. Patriots owner Robert Kraft offered a Super Bowl ring for charity during the All-In Challenge and the overall extreme value amid the coronavirus pandemic is incredible. Patrick Corbin and Juan Soto, some of baseball's stars, who participated in a charity Call of Duty tournament. Tom Brady's All-In Challenge donation netted 800000 and goes to a millionaire YouTuber. The bottom line is, I'm sure it did, well, everywhere except Boston. And the NFL, last but clearly not least, reports that the Inspire Change initiative has contributed more than $44 million dollars in 750 grants provided by the NFL Foundation all over the country. Roger Goodell talked about his role as the uh, telethon master during the draft. Some of that will continue, but the charity at the NFL continues to lead the way, and they sure know how to raise money at any time, certainly the pandemic. That's it for our podcast, our Keeping Score today. I'd like to thank all the folks that put it together. would certainly like to thank Kevin Harvick. Congrats again to him for his 50th Cup win. More to come next week for us. Keep safe and join us while we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.